is Madeline. And this is Cammie. And you're listening to the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 11. And today it's all about sell, sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell heaven. Yeah. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? So Madeline, how are you today? I'm great, Cammie. How are you? I'm great. I thought we would never get this started. And I think it's because we all subconsciously try to avoid selling. Isn't it true? Oh, totally, totally. You know, it's that thing that we all feel like, you know, we don't want to bother people. We don't want to push our things on people. But at the end of the day, we do need to sell. It's important. Yeah, it is important. It's important to like let people know what you're doing because they won't support you if they don't know about it, right? Exactly. It's so true. And that's what I tell people that have that fear of selling. I say exactly that. I say, you know what? You have to do this so that people know it's what you do. I have to put tweets out that say, hey, I'm a coach. I'm a consultant. Do you need help? Because I'm here for you. If I don't do that, they don't necessarily know that they can get in touch with me and I can help them with just a one hour coaching session. So yeah, you got to put it out there. All right. Or even if you don't, because I know that when I find out what people do, I suddenly find opportunities for them everywhere, you know? So if I know like what you're up to, then I know that I can, you know, like for example, if you're launching a new course, like you are, and I say, oh, I didn't know about that, which I didn't, then I can go out and I can say, hey, you know, I know some people that might really like that course, even if it isn't for me. Right, Right? exactly. That's so true. So one of the things though, that really happens is that there is a reason I think that we're afraid of it. And it's because we've seen some people take it a little bit too far, right? Have you seen people take it too far and feel a little bit odd about it? Yeah, Yeah, there are people that are pushy that are going to come into your community and make it all about themselves. And they're going to start selling. And very quickly, what I see, Kimmy, is they just weed themselves out because most communities do not accept this. You know, they see this as something that is not like, yeah, you can sell without selling, right? There's a way to do that. There's a way to do it properly. But if you're pushy about it, most people do not tolerate that. No, they don't. And so here's the big question. It's your community. So how do you sell what you have to offer in your community without irritating the members of your community? So what are some of the ways that you've used in the past to do that? Well, it is so important to have published guidelines in your community. You got to let people know what's allowed. What are the do's and don'ts? So I've always done that where I have the guidelines. I like to pin it to the top of the page and really spell out what is acceptable for the members. And, you know, if this is not a place to sell, you have to say so. You got to let people know. Or, you know, there are other ways to do it. We've talked about that in our last episode, like, One of the examples I had talked about was the She Podcast group where they do their Win Bag Wednesday. And on Wednesday, you can promote the heck out of whatever it is you got going on with your podcast. And I think that's that it can be done very smart. You just have to really spell it out at the beginning. Right. I totally agree. And that's mostly for Facebook communities is what you're talking about there. But what about like Twitter communities, like your Twitter smarter community? 
where you don't really have a place to pin like a guideline right. at the top. So how do you manage that? You know, it's interesting because with that format, you're right. There's no place to have like a, a set of guidelines pinned to the top. And unless you like refer to a website where people can get more information, but really what happens, what I've seen with all my experience with Twitter chats is that when you get, there's like this unwritten rule that you don't go on a Twitter chat to heavily promote yourself. There can be opportunities where maybe during the conversation, somebody's talking about a topic, maybe you've written an article about it, maybe you have an online training course about it, and you could, in a very nice and appropriate way, add that to the conversation. But to just full on go in there and promote, like if I went on a Twitter chat today and just started promoting my new Twitter course, that would be inappropriate. So when people do that, that's where usually the host or the moderator is going to have to say something mm -hmm. to that person and let them know, hey, this is not acceptable here. Please don't do this. Because what I've seen happen, Cami, is that if you let one person do it and they keep doing it, then other people think it's okay to do. And then you run into a big problem and you don't want yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I mean, in some ways too, a Twitter chat has a format, right? There's an, a question answer format. And you really are supposed to be answering that specific question, you know, both as the guest, as the host, and also as an, a participant. Everybody's kind of on the same page as far as what they're talking about each moment. So that's interesting. So one of the things that I would also say is that, you know, if you're always adding value to your group, like I wouldn't say that in any community, you should go in and sell your stuff every day because no matter what you do, that's not going to really play well. I was actually having a conversation with a friend just on Friday. And she and I were talking about some work she had done for a realtor. And the realtor was just putting up a new house every day on their social media and another house and another house and another house. It was like, sell, 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 yeah. sell, sell. And she really convinced them that they needed to do something else besides that, that they needed to show their community involvement, that they needed to talk to people. So that's on a just a regular social channel, but even more so in a group, because that's where people are coming to connect with each other and with you. So how do you add value in a way that then sets it up for the down the line, being able to sell people into your groups and your programs? Well, you need to know what they want. So, you know, it's okay to ask, what does your community want and how can you provide that to fit their needs? You know, one of the things I do on Twitter very regularly is I do Twitter polls and I will ask them. So since I have a lot of online training that's about to come out, I have all these new courses I'm putting out. I've been actively on Twitter asking them like, you know, here's some training courses, which ones would you prefer? Which ones are you interested in? And then I even did this Cami that was very interesting asking, you know, Hey, I have this new course coming out. If you took it, would you prefer to take it as a daytime class or a nighttime class for live training? It's amazing to get, you know, results from your community just by a simple poll. You know, old school was you did a, those big online polls. What, what was that site that did the polls, those free polls? You Poll know? Daddy. Yes. And <laughs> it's not easy to get people to go stop what they're doing, go to a website you send a link to and go take the time to do a poll. Most times you have to entice them with something like, hey, we're going to give away, you know, these prizes to people that go and take our poll. But what I love mm -hmm. about Twitter is they're already there. They're seeing your tweet and your tweet just simply says, hey, click the one that applies, you know, is it A, B or C? It's so simple and so easy. I wish more people would use this, Kimmy, because it's a great way to find out what your community wants and what they need. 
And this can help you figure out what products and services you can sell to your community. Right. And you can do this in Facebook too. So groups as as well. So I really love the idea of a poll. Um, We've been using them a lot in most of our things. And what I love about an online community as well is that it's a built-in research farm, if you will, of what people want. And I love it because you can go and like labor away and build a course and come back and like, you know, give this course out to everybody. And then they say, no, that's not what we want. What we want is this. And you're like, oh, well, that would have been so much easier if I'd asked beforehand and before I built this course and spent like two months, like, you know, doing all of the handouts and the sheets. So I think that's the great thing about having a community and building a community is that you can talk to them. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it, right? So you can talk to them and build something that they really, really want. So it doesn't feel like you're selling them something. It feels like you're serving them. Absolutely. And that's the bottom Absolutely. line. And you know, one thing I always mm-hmm. like to stress that we all have knowledge. We all have things that we know and that we know better than most people, right? And so Mm -hmm. we need to be better at drawing that out and serving our community. A lot of people are just have this fear of sharing their knowledge because they, they have that selling, that selling mindset that they don't want to feel like they're like pushing it on people. Right. But you're so right. It's like, what are the needs of my community? And let me provide something. So it's not so much I'm selling them something. I'm offering them something. It's a whole different mindset. Yeah, sure is. And. I also think that it's great because you can fi- be on the lookout for the challenges that they're talking about. So if they come in and ask you questions, the nice thing about having a community is that it's open there for questions and answers. And so you can hear what people's biggest challenges are and you can really address those challenges in your offerings, which I think is something that is kind of priceless when it comes to community. Absolutely. But what about when other people are trying to sell stuff in the group? What uh-huh. we, we started off by talking about that a little bit. This is actually one of the biggest risks of a community that you can have is that that it devolves into a cell fest, you know, people shouting their wares at the corner, you know, it's no worse than walking down the street of an open market and hearing, you know, come over here and buy this and come over here and buy that. And there's a lot of groups that are like that out there. And unfortunately, most people just eventually just leave them. And the only reason they come back is to like shout. So I don't really know who's listening. It's kind of like if you shout in the middle of the forest and no one hears you, are you really talking? I don't know. So one of the things that I would say is that right from the start, you should really be careful about how who you let into your community. It really should be people that you've already qualified to some level. Um, one way to qualify them, which is what we're going to do for this community, is join our mailing list. And we will then invite you into our, our Facebook group. And there we will deliver to you really a lot of content and we're going to have great conversations and you're going to be missing out on a lot of stuff if you're not in there. But if you're willing to give me your email, then I know that you have a certain level of interest. It's not you're just kicking a tire, you're trying to figure it out. That's fine if you are to a certain degree. But the point is, is that you don't have just every troll and every person just coming in to to kind of disrupt the community all the time. So it could be a mailing list. It could be a challenge that you do and the people that are part of that challenge are in the group, or it could be something like that. But you need to have something that is going to qualify that person as someone who has a genuine interest in the topic. And then if you have people that are genuinely interested in the topic, whether they're experts themselves, or they're newcomers, then they're going to have a much better interaction inside that group. So that would be one of the things I would say right off the bat. 
Yeah, and we talked before about like having ground rules, and I think that's so important with a Facebook group or any type of group where you can put something together for people to see, not on the Twitter chat since that's not really. Although, you know what I do see people do with Twitter chats is having what they call house rules. And this is something I actually do post, and you can make a JPEG image, and so you could put more detailed information in there for them to read on the JPEG. And you could go so far to say, uh, you know, your your thoughts on selling, what's allowed, what's not allowed. So that actually could be done on a Twitter chat. It's just a little bit more challenging to, to try to fit that in because you can't really type it in a 140 character tweet. But I think it's important with Facebook. But then what do you do when somebody violates this? You know, are you going to delete their post? You're going to talk to them first. What do you typically do? Well, I mean... You definitely want to make sure that they understood to begin with so that that way, you know, you want to give them a chance. So you you always give people a chance in my mind, unless they're really evil, you know, and they're saying really evil things. I mean, there are those two, you know, and those types you just delete, you ban. And if they're spamming the group as far as like, you know, just hashtag spamming where people look for trending hashtags and they jump on and then they just, you know, say, buy a car for me or something. I don't know. It's just very random and completely off topic. Yeah, you ban those people, you completely like shut them out. But I would say generally speaking, you want to talk to people and say, hey, you know, you can DM them or give them a special message and say, hey, I really think that didn't appreciate you doing that because it, you know, and you don't have to do it during the the chat either. You can do it afterwards. Say, could we, you know, I, I value that you're coming to the chat, especially if it's a community member you've seen come and go from there some. And say, we'd love to be have you part of it, but there is these rules. And then you can give them that JPEG. You can send that to them. You know, that could be a way to do it. But yeah, you have to be very firm sometimes because your community really does expect you to take care of these things. You are the leader of the community, right? Exactly. I mean, what will happen is as a leader, people will come to you and say, hey, this person is really being inappropriate. So, you know, there are many times where somebody will catch it for you and bring it to your attention and say, hey, look, you know, this person is really being inappropriate. Can you talk to them? Because there are times where they feel like as the host, as the moderator, as the person in charge, it does become your job to take care of these things. But with Facebook, they do have that feature now where you can temporarily mute someone, right? You can temporarily mute a member. And, and it yeah. Just, how yeah. does that work? So that's new. um, And I actually haven't done it yet to anyone. So I don't 100%. I can't promise you this is how it works. But what I understand is that when you click on it, it will put them in sort of timeout for about 24 hours or so. And you can choose whether you want during that time to get rid of them or to let them come back into the group. So you can unmute them, if you will. So I'm not sure if you have to unmute them or if it just automatically unmutes after a certain period of time. But I do know that I am going to definitely be looking at that as a, as a potential way to manage groups. Luckily, I have really well-behaved groups and nobody's really violated anything since they added that new rule. So I think it's great that, they're, that they've done this because putting somebody like in a temporary hold, I think is super smart because, you know, there are people that just maybe they didn't realize what the rules are, or not paying attention, mm-hmm. or maybe they're so excited about something new they're selling, they just weren't thinking. And so you know, that temporary mute is definitely better than having to, you know, remove somebody altogether. So I think, I think it's good that Facebook is offering this, but you got to be ready and willing to remove somebody if necessary. It's hard. You know, 
I know for me is not been easy to do that because I'm a nice person and I want everybody to be nice and I don't want to have to remove somebody. But if they are breaking the rules and they're not being appropriate with the group, then we have no choice but to remove them if if they're not going to follow. And we've talked about this before and we're, you know, in our last episode, we're talking about it again today, create a time and place where it's okay for people to talk about their projects. I think it's so smart to do. Maurice Smith does this. Pat Flynn does this. A lot of the top social media marketing experts out there do this as part of their guidelines where they want to give you an opportunity to promote it. And we've talked about this before, Kami. Sometimes it's like by letting people do it, it gets it out of their system. I know you've talked about this. It gets it out of their system. So then the rest of the time, they're okay. You know, they're not trying to sell and over promote themselves. They get that one chance every week to do it. Well, and then they don't feel like they haven't been heard. Because I mean, we've talked about that too, is how important it is for people to feel heard and to be understood. So I do feel like it is appropriate to give people that opportunity, because it's just part of human nature to want to have share something, you know, with a group and have a voice, right? And not feel like you are restricted from saying something. And you know, when people feel restricted, they feel unhappy. And if they feel unhappy, they're going to cause other kinds of problems in your group. So I would say, yeah, that's the best way to manage it is really just to give them an outlet for that opportunity. And by the way, you might find some really amazing things out about your um, community whenever they start sharing what they're up to. It's really cool, actually. Absolutely. I agree Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some tactics because here's one of the things that we, when we're selling online to our groups and we talk about communities that convert, what does that mean? Somebody asked me, is communities convert, you know, like joining some religious cult? I'm like, no, 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 no. What is, (laughs) what is conversion? When we talk about conversion, we're talking about having people either buy something that you're selling or maybe you're a nonprofit. Maybe they're going to give some money to your nonprofit or they're going to advocate for you or for your cause. So all kinds of different ways that you can convert. And so what are some tips that you have to get people to convert to these things from being a community member to actually being more involved by being either paid or, or having some sort of voice out there for your organization? Well, we want them to join our mailing list. So you were talking about this before. It's so important to have a mailing list for people to sign up into. You could always use MailChimp. It's free. It's easy. I mean, how quickly was it for you to set one up for our community to convert? Like it it took me about, you know, half an hour. And I actually put together a really nice form, which we can we're gonna give you the uh, link to here in the show notes and and later in the in the episode. And um, yeah, the whole thing took me like half an hour. Yeah. So you definitely want to have a way for people to join your mailing list because, you know, as a long time social media marketer, I've been doing this for 12 years. I can tell you without a doubt, you will always do better with an email versus a tweet versus a Facebook post. It doesn't matter that I've got crazy number of Facebook, uh, Twitter followers. I've got like what, 60 something thousand Twitter followers now. Yep. I can send out a tweet. It's great. I'm not going to discount it. I love Twitter and I can do a Facebook post. I have lots of followers. I'm at the 5,000 mark just on my personal profile. It's great. But having that email, I have a better chance of people seeing my message through an email. So we know that Facebook, not everybody sees your post. We know at Twitter, a small percent see your post. So with an email, you have a bigger guarantee of people seeing your message. So I always advocate that email is gold. Email list is gold. Always have an email list. So 
That's plus what I got to say about that. Kim. Yeah. Plus they can change the rules on you at any moment on Facebook yeah. or Twitter or anywhere. My space, my space. We never thought MySpace was going to go away. That was with me being in the music business back then. It was a great tool for us to use to help musicians build their mailing list. We'd get people to go sign up for their mailing list. But just from MySpace as a standalone, we didn't have email addresses. So we lost that opportunity. I mean, I saw that, hey, why don't we just ask people to join our mailing list? But if you were not doing that back then, you had no way to capture leads from that. And I saw plenty of people build up hundreds of thousands of, of MySpace friends. But what do we have to show for it today? Absolutely huh. nothing. So yeah, you know, we have to remind ourselves, and we talked about this in a previous episode, social media is rented space. It's rented land. We don't own it. We think we own it, but we don't. At the end of the day, it could go away. I don't see Facebook going away. I really don't see Twitter. I don't see any of them going away. I mean, I'm sure you agree, but all this hard work we invest into it, it could disappear at some point. So well, they can change the rules. That's yeah. all, you know, at any moment. And they have, by the way, many yeah. times. They so sure have. there it is. Um, collect emails. Exactly. Collect emails. Please do. Please, please collect emails. So I also say that some of the tactics are that you want to talk to people about what they want. We talked about this earlier. And the more that you ask them their opinions and they get invested in the product that you're building, the more likely it is that they're going to want to go along and purchase that product because you're basically building a product that they asked for specifically. And they it's almost like you're tailoring it to them specifically. So I'd say that you, the more you can get your audience or your community involved with what you're putting together, the better your sales you'll have for it, in my mind. Uh, and there's a lot of, of uh, work out there. I know that the first time I ever heard about this, which of course, they didn't invent it, but I went through a course with lead pages back, you know, a couple of years ago, and he had done some real big work on, you know, creating content based on what people wanted and a, a nice little email sequence that I learned on how to do that. And I thought that that was really, really bright and smart because you can just, you know, toil away and think that you know what people want, or let's say you build something that you know that people need you know that they need it, but they don't know that they need it yet. It right. can fall straight flat on its face, even though it's a great product. So you definitely want to talk to your audience and see where they're at. You know, what phase of awareness are they of the problem that they have? And that becomes really important because you want to build something that's specifically tailored to that part of their face. So if they're, they're walking around and they don't know what they don't know, then it doesn't matter how much you offer them the exact perfect thing. They're going to say, I don't need that. I, you know, I don't need that. So you need to definitely make sure that you're talking to your audience all the time about what they need. Well, let me tell you a couple of things to that that I want to mention. Okay. So first off, I'm real big on the, they don't know what they don't know, because being somebody that teaches Twitter, a lot of people say, I already know how to use Twitter. I don't need a course on how to use Twitter, but I show things that they don't realize they could do. And so yeah. one way to get around this, Cami, is to offer either a free version or have some kind of lead magnet and show them, say, hey, let me show you some cool stuff that maybe you didn't know about. And this is the type of training I do. And that could draw them in. So that's one way to go about it. Another strategy that works really well, and I've done this, and actually my, my current master class that I'm teaching, getting ready to teach, uh, this is how I started it five years ago. Instead of spending months and months working on it, I came up with an outline 
called it my Twitter Smarter Masterclass. I came up with four modules. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this as a four-week training course. But before I invest weeks and weeks and weeks on all the content, I knew I had the outline. I knew basically what I was going to do. But what I did first, Kimmy, is I put it out there on my social media, put it out to my mailing list, put it on my website, and said, here's my new training course and see who signs up. See if people show interest from your promotion for it. And I immediately got like five or six people that signed up right away just from my very first Facebook post and my very first email to my list. I thought, okay, people are showing interest. So let me go ahead and build this out. And that is a great strategy when you just want to get, get some sales because the sales tell it all, you know, are people going to buy it? And if you get a certain number of people buy it, you know, it's going to be successful and you can move forward. So that's worked really well for me. Yeah. So they call that validating the idea. So you want to Mm -hmm. sell it to validate the idea. And once you validate the idea, you can then, you know, build it and then, you know, give the course and then iterate on that. I definitely did that with growth hacks for women as well. You know, I said, Hey, we'll do a three-part mastermind for those of you who attend this event. And then I had that three-part mastermind in, in mind of what I was going to do. And then I did those in three live trainings. And as those live trainings were rolled up, then I was, I could see what resonated and what didn't. And now I can go back and revise that three-part training and relaunch it. So it's, it's a great way. It's a great way to do these things. And then, you know, that can actually build on to the next kind of training. So that's one of the things, and I fall into this trap too, that people have is that they try to take and do the big thing first, you know, like I'm going to do this big, they have this big vision and have this huge conference. And I'm going to have like a six month training course and all of that. And then it's really hard to do it because it's just so much work. And you're like, wow, I'm overwhelmed now. And then it's easy to give up, right? So start small. I love starting without an outline. That's just a perfect way to kind of to do that. It it totally works. There were people, I I don't remember who, but people I was following like five, six, seven years ago that talked about this strategy. And I was like, ooh, I want to try that the next time I do a training course online is let me put together what I think would be a perfect course and let me promote the heck out of it. Let's see if people are interested and they buy. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. If you just get a few sales and you don't feel like it's worth pursuing, skim their money back and say, you know what, I'm working on some new things and it's going to be even better. Or ask them for some help with helping you formulate, you know, get their advice, get their opinions. I'm always tweaking my courses because people will give you feedback if you ask for them. You have to ask for help, ask for, you know, help with people that are already taking your courses and then ask for people, just like I said before, when you're doing polls and trying to gather information, people want to help. They do generally. Yeah, sure. And that's one of the things that right there is just ask them to buy, you know, that's the other part of it and incentivize them to share it with friends, you know, whether it be like, uh, with just recognition or um, affiliates. And that's the other thing. Can we talk a little bit about affiliates and sort of how that works? Because you can also borrow somebody else's, yeah, you're borrowing somebody else's audience. So you you may say that I don't have a very big audience, right? I have like three people that follow me. Like how will I ever sell like (laughs) a course, right? It's like my mother, my stepmother and my (laughs) sister-in-law, you know, and they're kind of sort of paid to like me, if you will, you know, they have to. Because, you know, that's just part of the life. But the truth is that if you have a really great 
knowledge base and you don't have a big audience yet, it's really great if you can work with an influencer that has a big audience base that's looking for something that's complementary to what they're already doing. I know you did something like that recently with someone where you were kind of complimentary to their audience. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. I don't know. The lawyer. Yeah. yeah. So I, did, I actually did two of them last week. So one was with BuzzSumo. So BuzzSumo mm-hmm. brought me in to do a webinar for their community, which is awesome because they have a large community. So it now allows me to you know teach a little bit, do a little bit of training, sharing my knowledge. It was free, free webinar. And now these people are like, oh, Madeline sure knows stuff. Now they'll come over and sign up for my mailing list. So it's a great opportunity. And then another one was with this tech attorney who does a lot of live streaming. He has a, ma- a private mastermind group. And he invited me to uh, do a one-on-one interview with him, had me talk about Twitter chats. And he shared this it turned out to be like a one hour. It was supposed to be like 20 to 30 minute interview. And it turned into a one hour. He loved it, shared it with his community. Next thing you know, Cammie, all of these attorneys getting in touch with me, talking to me about Twitter chats and how intrigued they are by it. So these are are great ways to team up with somebody to share your knowledge and get access to their community. Because it's a great way to build up your mailing list. Right. And I did, and I did the same thing. Um, Donnell Winningham had me on for her one week training course. She did this big social media week where she had speakers like three times a day for an entire week. And I had like 50 people sign up for my mailing list right out of that. I mean, they just came in droves and signed up because she has a great relationship with her community and they, they trust her when she puts somebody in front of them. They're like, wow, that's interesting. And so they came and they signed up for that, that mailing list. And so that was all in like one week's time, which I think is an amazing, you know, amount of people that literally had to find the URL, type it in and go and get that information. So I thought that was um, really, really uh, kind of interesting. So but affiliate stuff is a little bit different, because you give a little bit of a cut to them for them sending stuff out to their mailing list. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you're planning on doing that for this Absolutely. current launch. Well, let me back up right? real quick. So the, what we were just talking about too, we also refer to that as JV or joint ventures. So that is, that is you know, teaming up with somebody, usually somebody who has much more influence, much bigger community. Although you could be flipped around and you bring somebody in for your community. So yes, yeah, so let's talk about affiliate marketing because this is a great way to it, you know either bring in a stream of income for yourself by not having to go reinvent the wheel and just promote somebody else's service or course or whatever that they have to offer and you get a percentage. Or on the flip side, you have a course, you have training, you have something and you offer a percentage for people that are promoting it for you. So so yeah, I'm I'm really big on the whole affiliate marketing. So with my online training course, I do offer that. One of the strategies I'm doing right now, Cammy, you know, we're talking about asking people to buy, just asking or asking them to share. I am reaching out to friends and colleagues right now, just asking them, would they share, you know, my new course just to help promote it? Because I'm always promoting everybody's stuff. So I'm hoping by me doing this is not easy for me because I feel like is going back to what we're talking about selling. Ooh, that sounds like a dirty word. I don't want to sell, but you know, getting other people to help me promote it, but then also offering the incentive of them being an affiliate and I give them a percentage. And let me tell you, Cami, I don't know how you feel about this. When I do affiliate programs, I feel strongly 
it should be 50-50. Because I look at it as for my course, if I have, let's say I have used an affiliate, I view it as free students, free money, free everything, because you're bringing them to me. So why not share the wealth? Why don't I make it worth your while? And then on the flip side of that, if I'm going to be promoting someone's course or training and do their affiliate program, I'm not too excited about the ones that are like 20% because I'm doing a lot of work and 20% doesn't feel like they're valuing me. So I usually turn those down. I like the ones that are 50-50, but that's just my belief system. And so I just believe in sharing the wealth all around from both sides. How do you feel about this? Well, I mean, I have like rarely ever taken affiliate money. This is sort of my my way of thinking. I, I like to help people. And so I've put that out in the world. And a lot of the the affiliate stuff I've done has really been around discounts for conferences and things like that for my some of my community members, especially social media breakfast. And so like from that perspective, I've always let that money flow back to the people so that that way they get a good discount. 20% is the standard advertising markup for an advertising agency. I'm sure that's where that that particular number came from. All through my career, you know, what it would what we would do is we would mark up services and things like that about 20%. That's about what you mark up your services generally for pass-through services. Right. And so I'm sure that's where some of them are getting that number. And I do think that not enough people are talking about numbers. Like what is an appropriate number? So I love that we're talking about the numbers here because I think a lot of people say, well, you know, affiliate deals. And you're like, well, how much is an affiliate deal and how much is good and how much is bad? So I don't have a really good list of what people are doing out there, but I would assume quite a few of them are doing something like 20%. And because of that advertising background, because that's just where they're getting the reference from, you know, they're just saying, well, it makes sense if it's for a service like my, you know, my coaching consulting service. I don't really offer an affiliate program for that. But if I did, yeah, it's not gonna be 50%. It'd be like 20%. I could definitely see a 15 or 20% because, or you're marking up your service. You're basically discounting it, which they could pass through. Certainly I, with my Go Girls community, I did a lot of that where I would just take that discounted amount, offer that to my community instead of taking the affiliate money. Mm -hmm. It always felt like the right thing. So if you have a community and you have those opportunities, that always makes you look great. You know, people really look at you like, wow, they're giving me a discount to take this course or to get this service. There's a lot of different ways of looking at this. For some people, this is a revenue stream of income. Dory Clark talks about this in her new book. It's really well done. And what I love about her, she's a practitioner. So she was learning this through the interviews for this book. So I noticed about a year ago with, I'm on her email list, and she does a lot of these camis where she promotes these online courses that a lot of her friends and colleagues are doing. So rather than her going out and creating these courses, she's promoting them and then she's getting a, a cut, whatever the affiliate cut is. And she's talked about how she has brought in a really good sum of revenue by doing this. So for some people, it's a great revenue stream, but you could flip it around and just offer the discount to your community. And what, what's the name of her book? Do you know? Entrepreneurial You. And it is so good, Cami. I was going to wait for the audiobook because I'm a big fan of audiobooks. But last week, I just had to go out and go get the Kindle. And you can get the hard, hardback, hardcover, but I just went ahead to the Kindle. It is such a great read. And there is going to be an audiobook. It just hasn't come out yet. Cool. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, so yeah, out there, if you guys have any experience with affiliate marketing and you have an affiliate cost, would you be willing to share with the community? We would love it if you'd either tweet 
Like how much are you um, getting for your affiliate deals or how much are you charging? 20%, 50%, 30%, 40%. Or you could join our community and do it there where it's a little safer. We're happy to like talk about it there too. So make sure you do that. We'll give you that URL in a minute. And you know what? Madeline, we're out of time again. I know. I know. It's such a, a great chat we have every week, Kimmy, because we talk about great things. We share lots of information. We both have, you know, different points of views with some of these things. So it makes for a great discussion. So I appreciate everybody listening to the end. This is awesome. Cool. So um, why don't you tell us uh, what we can do next? What is our action item for this week? Our call to action for this week, if you have a group Review current guidelines in light of this episode and revise or make a guideline post if you don't have one yet. It's really important to do that. So you really want to look at doing that for your community. Right. And if you don't have a community or a group yet, go over to a few groups that you're a member of and see if they do have guidelines. Read them and compare them. And how would you do it differently? And then join our Facebook group at Communities That Convert. And you can do that by joining our Facebook email list. And our email, um, you can get it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash C-T-C, Communities That Convert, V-I-P. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash C-T-C, V-I-P to get an invitation to join. And you can get that link if you couldn't catch it at Communities to Convert, communitiesthatconvert.com. Thank you. And uh, I definitely want to mention that this Facebook group is going to be great because we're going to share bonus content on there from time to time. Kimmy and I are going to do some live video streams on there. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. So we encourage you to come on there. And before we go, we want to do a quick shout out. We've got some new reviews. Kimmy is so nice that people are reviewing our podcast. So real quick shout out to Tosha, Peter Fritz, and Fun Game 24753 you guys rock for doing this. And uh, and also, we want to do a quick shout out to my friend and colleague, Todd, for reaching out to us on Twitter, telling us how much he's enjoying this podcast. So we really appreciate that. You go. He sent us some cool video. It was really fun. Yeah, we were doing like some little video reply day type of uh, tweets, which was a lot of fun. So yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. So thank you, Todd, for being one of our listeners. We appreciate you so much. So that is it for this episode. Thank you. That is all. (laughs) That's all, folks. Come back next week. And if you if you want to sooner, come and join us in the Facebook group. Yeah. Bye. Hey, this is Madeline, and I want to let you know you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode. And we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar. That's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R. And also to Cammie. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat, and that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cammie through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Communities That Convert.